Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic today is going to be June 8th, 2017. I'm recording this uh, on the afternoon, June 7th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosperin-Reich. I'm the editor and site expert over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And today we have a, a special a special episode kind of talking about the state of magic fandom. Uh, it was a rough season, been a rough half, half decade now of Orlando Magic basketball. And we want to know, we wanted to kind of analyze where the fan is. And to help us do that, I'm joined by Orlando Magic Daily staff writer, Ricky Skricka. Ricky, how are you doing today? I know it's I know it's raining outside all over Central Florida, so you know nothing better to do on a rainy day than podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it, it's definitely an interesting summer, and I'll get your thoughts on on the Magic and and where they're going a little bit later on in the podcast. But last week there was this study that came out uh, from a, a I guess it was a study from a Harvard professor or Harvard. Uh, uh, statistician or, or, or sociologist—I don't even know what he what he is—looking um, at fan loyalty in the NBA. Um, you wrote a you wrote a post. Uh, he didn't include the Magic in his in his ranking because the Magic had just have just moved in the Amway Center. So you're six in the Amway Center, so there's not a lot of data to to kind of look at consistency as far as in the new arena. But since the Magic were included, we decided to. to as a site to take up the study and say, okay, how do the magic look? So, uh, you know, you did, you, you wrote the piece on this. What, what was the study about and what were the parameters of the study and what did you find about the magic? Yeah, basically it was, uh, he defined, there's obviously a ton of ways you can define fan loyalty, but I think a good way to thumbnail it, and uh, this is how he did it, is to look at how attendance percentage, which is the percentage of uh, stadium's capacity that gets filled every season, how it correlates with the team's winning percentage. So if fans are only showing up when a team is winning, then that would probably indicate that they're fair weather or whatever. Um, so the teams with the lowest correlation um, were then considered to be the most quote-unquote loyal. Um, the In the study, uh, the best, the most loyal fans were the Dallas Mavericks, who actually they had a slightly negative correlation. So that means they um, fans actually showed up more when the team does worse. Oddly enough, um, and uh, the Magic, uh, when we decided to run these numbers, which basically went from uh, the 1992 season to 2017. The original study only went from 92 to 2014, but we figured we'd take the liberty of just making it a little more updated. Uh, yeah, so we took the uh, attendance, the, the arena capacities for every season going back to 92 and the winning percentages and graphed out how how strongly they correlate with each other. Yeah, and, and, and if you go on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, I'll provide a link up on the Locked On Magic Facebook page as well as on uh, the Locked On Magic Twitter account if, if you're not following those. Um, but if you go on OrlandoMagicDaily.com and find the article, it's Orlando Magic fans among NBA's most loyal statistically. You do see... That the lines, tra- you know, that the line hovers around 100 percent, pretty much for the entirety of of the the the, the time period. Um, there's certainly uh, there's a big dip in the late 90s, early 2000s with when, when the Tracy McGrady era, which I think a lot of us remember for the arena being so empty. The Magic nearly moved because they couldn't get attendance. But as the Dwight Howard era kicked in. Attendance is up at 100%, and even during this rebuild, you see a dip, but attendance has been slow, has been slowly rising, and it, it does seem that there is at least a, a weak correlation between the, the at least attendance stays pretty flat, even as the Magic's win percentage uh, goes, goes wildly. Um, it, just, just for the non-stat heads out there, explain what, what, correlation, what correlation means and, and, and how 
how it, it kind of shows what what the what the professor was trying to prove. Yeah, it's a good way to 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 kind of turn um, a long pattern, a long term pattern, into just a single number that you can look at and compare to other ones. It'll tell you, uh, like, if example, if a team has attendance, 50% attendance, which is really low, but just a 50% attendance when the team is, uh, and then 75 when it's good, 50 when it's bad again, and then 80 when it's even better, that'd be a very strong correlation because uh, season by season, the attendance percentages are correspond. The changes in attendance percentage are corresponding with the changes in winning percentage. Um, the graphs are gonna the, essentially the, the the graph. If you look at look at it graphically, it's gonna the the line. The two lines will look very similar. They'll, they'll it'll yeah. be almost the same line. As, as I think yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, basically, what we saw with the magic is uh, pretty stable attendance percentages, even though win percentages fluctuated uh, a little bit. So the correlation wasn't nearly as high as it is for a lot of teams whose show up a lot more when they're winning and a lot less when they're losing. Where, where did the where did the magic rank overall in this? I mean, the, the headlines obviously Orlando Magic fans among the NBA's most loyal. What did you find about where? Uh, about where the Magic rank, at least as, as far as as attendance percentage uh, compared to win percentage, where the Magic rank among the other NBA teams? Because obviously he was, they, the Magic weren't included in the study because of the small sample size in, in the Amway Center that, that, that for the data that he was looking at, for the time period he was looking at. Yeah, yeah, and um, for those same reasons, we don't have the numbers for the for the Thunder or for the Nets. Um, but for the teams he did do, the Magic are comfortably in the top ten, uh, ahead of a lot of really uh, well-renowned franchises like the Bulls, who always have great attendance. Well, not always, but usually have great attendance. Uh, you know, the Lakers, the Spurs. Um, we're, we were the Magic were uh, right up there um, with the the best the be- the most loyal fan bases in the entire league. Um, and but what I thought was really interesting was that if you just took the took the data from the last uh, seven or eight seasons since the Amway Center opened, uh, the correlation is actually extremely strong. Um, in fact, it's if you ranked it among the uh, twenty eight or twenty seven other teams, um, it would be by far the strongest correlation of any in in the analysis that the Harvard uh, writer did. Um, so meaning, I thought that was meaning pretty... fans have been more fair weathered, or or what is what does that mean exactly? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess more fair weathered, but um, it, because I think it's a little bit skewed because the first couple seasons in the Amway Center were so successful winning wise, and also drew drew a lot of people out. The attendance was actually um, based on the data we have over a hundred percent in two thousand eleven and two thousand twelve, um, but then when Dwight Howard left it obviously went down significantly as the TV ratings, as the winning percentage, but as the winning percentage slowly started to climb from 2013 to 2016, attendance also was climbing. Um, So I think it's just a little skewed because of how small the sample size is, but I thought that was something interesting to look at either way. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely interesting to look at. And and it is important to note that it is a small sample size. So when you do look at the seven years within the Amway Center, I I think it's frankly to be expected that the team was still, it wasn't quite a title contender, but still a playoff team, had Dwight Howard. You know, when you have a player of that caliber, you certainly have a chance to win every game. Magic still had a lot of excitement about them. Uh, and then, of course, it all the floor kind of all dropped out, and the last five years have been a little bit of a difficult slog uh, to, to get through. Um, but even with all that, Magic attendance last year increased. Um, you know, the, the team won 35 games. There was a little bit of optimism, and certainly there's a lot of playoff optimism at the beginning of the season. But the Magic still had, I think they, I think they reported three of the four top uh, attendance, attended games in the Amway Center this season. Uh, or at least the Magic are, are reporting that. And again, attendance numbers also are skewed. I think we're using uh, announced attendance, which can be a little shaky sometimes too. That's that's the number of tickets sold rather than the number of butts in the seat. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you you all you can only work with the data you have essentially. So so there are flaws in the data, and it's important to note that. But I, I would I would say observationally, it did seem like Magic attendance was very good for a team that was struggling as much as the Magic were. 
Um, you know, I can I I would say that that fans did seem more engaged um, with the team, both for good and bad bad reasons. Um, I think the team, I think fans were were really. I, I certainly felt it expressed a lot of frustration over the season, uh, and so I, I I do think that you know while the Magic certainly have a lot of convincing to do to bring season ticket holders back, I, I don't think we'll see the effects of this season occur for the Magic until next season. Um, and they may start a little bit slower attendance-wise, and if they can if they can build up some wins, I think people will come back pretty quickly. And I think that that I think that these numbers show that because the attendance line is 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 trending up and as the team seems to be trending down. Um, from your experience, you know, writing for the site and, and 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 watching the team and observing the team, you know, going beyond these numbers, what's your feeling on the state of the Magic fan right now? Uh, you know, I think it- it's, I can I think it can be summed up just by saying that it's the the Magic fan base just wants to root for a winning product. Um, it's it's they're there, they're ready. There there are people in the stands that are that clearly want to be excited about stuff, and they are excited about stuff. I mean, uh, even if he's not playing on a winning team, Aaron Gordon is such an exciting player to watch. Um, and you know the Amway Center is one of the more technologically advanced arenas in the league. So there's a lot of different elements here that just give people reason for optimism on an individual basis. It just hasn't come together into a winning product yet. For you know, we can, there's a ton of reasons why that that has happened. Uh, we don't have to get into that right now. But um, yeah, it's and obviously there's the, the the dynamic with Orlando City, who's also giving. Orlando sports fans, lots of reasons to be excited. Um, and obviously just as um, attendance has risen over the past five or six years since Dwight Howard left, um, TV ratings have been very unsteady. So that's an also another interesting dynamic there because while you know rising attendance would seem to indicate increasing fan interest, TV ratings kind of being up and down uh, – would kind of point you in the opposite direction. So it could also just be that people just love going to the Amway Center. And if they're not able to get that hands-on experience with the team, I mean, they're not winning. So maybe it's it's understandable why people would feel like it's not worth taking time out of your night to watch them um, just in your home. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, if the team starts to improve, um, there's all the tools there. And there's the fans there and there's the excitement that wants to, you know, start to come out for attendance to start going through the roof again sooner than later. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with with a lot of that. Um, you know, TV ratings tend to be more volatile and more tied to a team's success on the court more than anything else. Obviously, to be kind of in the day to day slog of a season, it's uh, this season was tough. I, you know, I follow, you know, we follow the team you know, to write for the site, but it's, it's tough to get excited for, uh, an April Saturday afternoon game between the magic and the nets. Uh, yeah. and yeah. it's, it's, it, I don't blame people for tuning out and, and the magic in, I think it was February were, um, reportedly had a 50% drop in local TV ratings from last year. And last year when the magic got out to that 19 and 13 start, you know, had their most successful season in the last five years, they were reporting and, and kind of bragging about, their high TV ratings. They were having some of the best TV ratings that they'd had since, certainly since Dwight Howard left. And even with some of the teams in that Dwight Howard era, there was certainly an excitement about it. And to me, the TV ratings do go with winning percentage. And so I think if the team starts winning, that in that indicia will will come back up. But I think what was very clear from from how things went this year with the even with the increase in attendance, they had I think it was, I think the Magic reported 14 sellouts this year, which was the most in the last five years. Um, I, I think all those indicators suggest that Magic fans want to be engaged right now. They mm-hmm. want a reason to to watch. They want a reason to show up at the building. And all I think all the only ingredient that I think is missing from an engaged and excited fan base is the winning product. Give the team, give the give the Magic fans a competitive team, and I think they will show up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you when you look at that chart that that you made, you do see a very noticeable dip 
in in the line graph and that this is why i love i love this line graph and i love the graphs that 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 line graph that you made and, and the graphs that were included in the study because they really do show some very interesting trends um i remember going to games in the tracy mcgrady era and it was empty there was a 500 basketball team it was a playoff basketball team they had one of the five best players in the league at the time and the building was empty. And you can see that in the graph. It was, the attendance is averaging around, is hovering near the 80% line. And there's mm-hmm. a very clear era that this was happening. And it was the Tracy McGrady era. And the team nearly moved at that time. Obviously, now they're in a long-term lease with the Amway Center. But I look at the Magic team now, and it's never going to be... I, I don't think we'll ever see... Aside from ownership doing something that just alienates their fan base, I don't think we'll ever see the Magic attendance be that low again. Especially for a team that's competing for a playoff spot. If, if, if this team is competing for a playoff spot, I think you'll be able to get Magic tickets, um, but I don't think you'll, you know, I, I don't think it'll be easy. I don't think it'll be so easy. You know, I, I, think, I think we'll see more sellouts. I think we'll see a more engaged fan base. And so when I look at where the Magic are now, probably at the lowest point in their franchise's history, I think the fan base is relatively healthy. Um, you know, Absolutely. I think I think people are are, skept- are skeptical and waiting for a reason to to put down their money and and go to a game and, and be engaged and watch every game. They they need a reason to do that. And once the Magic provide that reason, I think that they will come back to the Amway Center, um, not in droves, but but they'll come back in, in comfortable and strong numbers. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, and it's also, I think, a little bit interesting to note with the TV ratings. Um, it, they dropped, I, I believe the number was 50 percent uh, this past season with Fox Sports. Um, the previous season, they had risen by 63 percent. So if you compare it to two years ago or three years ago, the ratings are still higher than they were in the immediate aftermath of Dwight's departure. Um, so they, they could just be stabilizing a little bit. I think this next season will obviously depending on what happens in the draft and in free agency and all that. Uh, I think whatever happens with attendance and TV ratings will definitely give us some pretty strong indicators of where the magic fan base is at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I think an interesting development in Orlando that, that I think has changed maybe how some magic fans are viewed or, or, or kind of maybe made this, I don't want to call it a problem, but made this uh, an interesting thing to talk about um, is the presence of Orlando City. Uh, you know, I'm an Orlando City season ticket holder. I, I've been going to games for several years, but uh, you know, for for someone that's not in Orlando, not in Orlando, what's you know, you're you're in, you're up in Gainesville, Gainesville, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's what's your per- perception of the effect that a t- that a, a presence, you know, like a kind of new kid on the block like Orlando City? could be having on on the fan base both positive and negative just from an outsider perspective before I kind of give what what I think what I think the interplay is and what's going on yeah it's interesting because um obviously in Gainesville UF college town a lot of people from all over Florida live here or spend at least the the school semesters here uh so you see a lot of um people from Orlando Magic fans Orlando City fans there's obviously you know Heat fans Jaguar fans so on and so forth um so I, I obviously when I first came here I saw you know Orlando Magic bumper stickers all over the place people wearing Magic jerseys I mean it's not there wasn't like insane hype that this is 2013 um so Dwight was gone so it wasn't you know uh, exactly a a super playoff contending magic team that people were rooting for but you know you could see that hype was still there even in Gainesville um and now uh that I think that's gone away a little bit at least to the degree it was when I first got to Gainesville and and now I see Orlando City bumper stickers uh a, a lot more than I than I ever have before um so I think just from that point of view it's kind of interesting to see um you, you know all of a sudden the magic have a very strong competing interest in their own city. Uh, and there hasn't really been that before. So um, now fans have the ability to kind of, to kind of look elsewhere for that, uh, f- the excitement that they, they want their sports teams to give them. So I think living in Gainesville and kind of seeing where um, all these different people from the state of Florida, like what, what teams they're into, what sports they're into. Uh, I think that that was a really interesting uh, shift to, to kind of observe happen. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think I think that's definitely true. You, st- I mean, Orlando City, you got to give them all the credit in the world. Did a fantastic kind of guerrilla marketing job. They got those those car magnets out to everybody after games, and and they really spread like wildfire. Um, you know, those that they they have a very different product, a very exciting product, and I think a very complimentary product. Um, you know, I I know that there are. I remember talking to some Orlando City fans, and anytime you brought up the Magic, there was kind of a scoff about it that the NBA was just this, that the Magic were just kind of this corporate state environment. And generally, I think that's just the NBA. I mean, I think that's the way the NBA has decided to build their buildings and, and the, the, the cust- and, and frankly, the customer they've decided to emphasize is let's sell suites. Those, that's going to be our big moneymaker and get those people closer to the basket, closer to the court. Rather than kind of the the boisterous, loud uh, fans, you still see loud fans everywhere, and I think in the playoffs that dynamic changes. I think you see kind of the more engaged, r- raucous, rowdy crowds involved in the playoffs. Playoffs, but generally the NBA is a very corporate state environment, and so I think Orlando City certainly markets itself to a, a different kind of crowd. I mean, you're never going to see this pure standing section like Orlando City has, you know, where it's you know a, a whole quarter of the stadium essentially or at least the whole end of the stadium is for hardcore supporters who want to shout and cheer and that's that's kind of the soccer ethos that's that's not necessarily in the nba's dna so i think there there is that little bit of difference too but i do think orlando city has put a lot of pressure on the magic i mean i think that there was some bad timing for the magic where orlando city came along and got really big when the Magic were at their lowest, um, you know, if the Magic are competing for a playoff spot, you know, in the last five years or, or competing for a championship in the last five years, it's not that Orlando City wouldn't be huge. Orlando City, I think, would still be huge. But I think a lot of the passion and a lot of the, the energy that you see from Orlando City fans would kind of move over to Magic via osmosis. I think we'll still see um, when the Magic get good again. Uh, like I said, I think there is a very passionate fan base for Orlando City that her, but they also love this city and you know they they want to cheer. For, I mean the Sox are first loves and they're not going to come Magic unless the Magic give them a reason to come. Mm-hmm. I, I did think it was very interesting this year to see the development. Um, in uh, there was a there was a small um, cheering section, but they were there every game this year up in section one thirteen and in, in one of the in, in the lower bowl uh, in the corner of this in one of the corners of the stadium. There was a Solid two, three, four rows stood the whole game. Tried, to, you know, tried to start chance, and so I think, I think that the Magic, you know, I, I don't think they were affiliated with the Magic, but the Magic used them a little bit. Um, you know, they they got them on the jumbotron. Um, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that becomes not more formal because the Magic tried doing a formal cheering section to kind of mo- mimic Orlando City, and it fell so flat. It was so so contrived and so bad. And so I think it's better to have more organic organizations like, like that group. And, and I'm sorry if I get the section wrong, guys. You, you, I, 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 I've, I've talked to a few of them before. I noticed you guys, you're there. Uh, you know, keep, doing, keep doing yeoman's work. Keep doing the good work that you guys are doing um, to bring some energy and atmosphere into, into the Amway Center. You know, we can, you know I, I, either I'd be sitting courtside in the media section or up in the media loge. We could hear you. Uh, so, so keep up that good work and I, I'd like to see that kind of program expand in, in some way uh, however it however it can I, I don't know exactly how it's organized but certainly I think there there is a latent passion that again just just needs a reason to 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 spring forth uh, yeah. and I and I don't think we would have necessarily seen that in previous iterations of the magic and so I think magic fandom has evolved to a point where they're they're there. They want to be there. They just they they just need a reason to cheer. And I think once the team and I think a lot of that I think the 2009 finals run helped. I think that made a lot of new Magic fans reinvigorated a lot of passion and belief about the team, uh, and kind of got everyone to remember. Oh yeah, the Magic are a thing, and this is fun. When it's good, it's really really fun. Um, you know that was as close as it's ever felt to the, the early years. You know the first finals run. Uh, and I, you know, I think that the fan base is more willing to jump on the bandwagon again once it starts rolling downhill. It's just it's just been kind of a long slog up up the hill to get get to get back to a point where fans want to be a part of this thing. Yeah, and you know, the fan support in Orlando does it's not doesn't have to be a zero sum game. You know, Absolutely. there are 
yeah, there are cities all over the world with three, four, plenty of sports teams, and they don't seem to take anything away from 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 each other. I think the dynamic we're witnessing now, and you mentioned this, is that Orlando fan, sports fans just want to put their excitement and they want to put their support towards something that is exciting and is they feel is worth supporting. And the Magic just haven't really been giving them that over the past few years uh you you can't blame uh orlando sports fans for wanting to you know spend their time and their energy uh, somewhere where the product is new it's refreshing and it's um it's more exciting and i think in general and, 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 uh, and honestly something that's theirs like i you know i, I think one of the another issue the magic face and i think a lot of nba franchises face this is there are a lot of longtime nba fans who moved to Orlando. Like, Orlando is, is a transplant city. And so I think, uh, honestly, I think one of the reasons Orlando City has met so much success um, is that it gets everybody. Because no one, very few people had an MLS team. And so when an MLS team sprung up in Orlando, it was everyone's. Whereas with the Magic, you know, a lot of people were Lakers fans. A lot of people were Celtics fans. A lot of people were Bulls fans. A lot of people were Knicks fans. Those fan bases already existed in Orlando, and the Magic were a 1A or 1B team. But when the when their team of their childhood came came around, uh, they cheer. They went and cheered for that team. Uh, I think mm-hmm. what's what's going to be really interesting with the Magic and something that they really have to try and take advantage of. And I've seen some efforts to do this from their marketing the marketing group. Right now is the time when people your, my age and your age. Uh, you know, I'm 28. You know, I grew up with the Orlando Magic. Like, they were... I've never known Orlando without the Magic. People our age are beginning to get disposable income. People who who only know the Orlando Magic, who grew up in Orlando as Magic fans, are beginning to get disposable income and beginning to to say, you know, I miss going to Magic games. I'm a Magic fan. I want to be a season ticket holder. We're we're just coming of age to, to spend our money on that. And, and you see the efforts the Magic are making to engage this fan base through the Fast Break plan, uh, which is a plan that you know you buy a full full slate of season tickets for a lower price than normal, but you don't have an assigned seat. Your seat's assigned to you before tip-off, depending on demand and 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 uh, and how many people are in the building. So you know, for the Warriors, you're probably going to be up in the nosebleeds, but for say the the Nuggets or the Pistons, even you might be in the lower bowl. And, and 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 fans and, and that, that that ticket plan has been very very successful. I think it's won a few awards um, from from the league and from from marketing departments for how that plan is marketed and, and how that plan is has been effective. And so I think that the Magic are in a position right now where they need to strike and they need to really cement the relationship with younger fans who will be raising their own Magic fans. I mean, we're we're getting into second generation Magic fans now. Um, and so it's a really interesting time, I think, for the Magic as a franchise uh, as as they continue uh, to grow. And, and I like to say mature because they're they're 28, 29-year-old franchise. So they're still kind of in their, their early early developmental stages as, as an organization in many ways. Um, Ricky, how do you feel about doing a live read? A live read? Yes, a live the, read. Huh? Of the of the article? No, no, not of the article. No, 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 no. People need to go to OrlandoMagicDaily.com and read the article. I agree. I'm, talk- <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about a, a live read from our friends over at SeatGeek because we're talking about uh, tickets, right? Yes, and yes, well, absolutely. Well, it's great to buy tickets from the Magic. Sometimes you get better prices online because buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time, right? You, you, you've probably done it a few times. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, not, yeah. it's not fun. It's always <laughs> been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But I'm telling you, SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. Hey, Ricky, have, have you ever used SeatGeek? I actually haven't, but I plan to use it for the next time I go to a concert, and that is not a lie. I am not shilling right now. Well... Well, I, I've got I've got a deal for you coming up because everything about SeatGeek, if you've never used it, is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. 
And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. So when you, when you go look for tickets to that concert, you'll, you'll see the stage, you'll see the seat layout, and there'll be all these dots on the screen. You, you find the green dots, the big green dots especially, that means you're getting a good price. And Ricky, this is the part you probably want to listen, you want to hear most of all if you've never used SeatGeek. Mm-hmm. My listeners and my guests get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, here's what you have to do. Download the SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOMAGIC, that's L-O-M-A-G-I-C, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-MAGIC today. And thank you for playing along with that live <laughs> because uh, they pay the bills. And SeatGeek, hey. SeatGeek's great. I, 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 I say that in jest, but I, I have actually used SeatGeek, and, and I do really enjoy it. Their, their ticket selection is actually very, very good. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've taken advantage of that many, many times. Um, to, you know, we've talked a lot about attendance. We've talked a lot about how the team's performance plays into that and, and plays into fan engagement. Uh, but th- none of that's going to matter if the team stinks again. So let's talk a little bit about where the Orlando Magic are at right now. Um, obviously, disappointing season going, going twenty nine and fifty three. Uh, what do you? How do you view the outlook for this team now that they've they fired Rob Hennigan, they fired Jeff Weltman? Where where do you see this team sitting at right now as as we get ready for the NBA draft? Well, you mentioned uh, a little earlier about how uh, people who grew up as Magic fans, pretty much the first generation of Magic fans, are finally have disposable in- income to go to games on their own. So I think this is like the perfect time, especially considering the Magic of four draft picks in this upcoming draft, to start really honing in on a core. I mean, that's kind of been the case ever since Dwight Howard left, and it hasn't uh, worked out super well up to this point. But um, I, I think with the the refresh, refreshing of the front office, I think the Magic have a perfect opportunity to kind of gather their bearings, um, look at who's going to stay long-term and who isn't, uh, take advantage of this draft, and start building a new young core that people can really be excited about over the long term. Um, and overall, I think for the next couple of years, the front office really should be valuing flexibility because as uh, we learned last season, patience is a virtue and, um, you know, it's not always going to work out if you just trade away your prospects uh, and spend your cap space before the team is really ready, ready to start winning. So I think right now it's OK to just get young, be young for a little bit, have cap space for a little while see where it goes, and then cash in in a few years. What, what, are, what are your impressions of, of Jeff Weltman? Um, you know, obviously it's hard to get a good sense of executives, especially guys who haven't been in the lead chair before. Uh, but from, from what you've read or, or what you've seen from, from him, what, what are your impressions on him and, and what he's going to bring to the team? I'm really glad that Magic got someone who clears, um, you know, a, a track in the, the NBA, someone who I think – you know, I mean, the Saigiri and Mono and what they were able to build. Um, I think he's someone's, uh, and, you know, this is just my opinion. I think that's someone who has a amount of respect from OEMs around the league or front office people. And I think for the Magic and the, the position that they're in right now after Rob Henning leaving. So I, I, if they're able to sort of uh, do anything remotely close, they were able to accomplish in Toronto, which, you know, some not think silly of them given their. Uh, I guess, you know, the sweet to them in the playoffs here, um, you know, went down to it, if that, you know, the fans in, in that and get the stars they've, they've been able to the team. It's, it's exciting. If you ever watch a rap, people love them. It's I think in some ways are similar to fans and that are just checking at the bit and support. If you look at Blue Jays games, you see that. Um, it, it, and I, so I think it's really a perfect opportunity uh, for Magic to capitalize on what they have in Orlando, and 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 even if that core doesn't result in some Warriors like dominance, even if it's um, just a series of good, solid playoff runs, exciting basketball, good players, I think that is absolutely more than welcome, and I think 
that Jeff Weltman is a great candidate to, to bring that to Orlando. Yeah, and I think I think there's very much, and, and, and maybe Alex Martins is guilty of this too because he, he said we want to build a sustainable winner, we want to compete for championships, which of course is what you want executives to say. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think that there are still uh, perception, maybe is the right word or the wrong word, there's still this, this, this feeling of, among many fan bases, of championship or bust. Either you're winning a championship or you should be tanking to get talent to win a championship. And, and I think sometimes we get lost in that and, and seeing what the Raptors have done, building a sustainable winner. You know they're going to the playoffs. They're, they did try to get better. It's not like they didn't try to improve their team this year, and I think mm-hmm. they'll continue to try and improve their team. Um, they're in a very good place, and honestly, when I tell, when I hear Magic fans say, "Oh, look at the, the oh the Raptors aren't that good. They 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 could, they you know made, lost in the second round." I was like, "The Magic would kill to be in the second round right now. Like you'd, <laughs> yeah, you'd be so ecstatic to be in the second <laughs> round." I'm not saying don't settle on the second round as your ceiling, which I don't think the Raptors did at all. Um, but getting there is a victory in itself, and it's it's a, it's as much about the journey as it is the destination in in, in sports and, and in these long seasons that we have. Um, and I think Weltman's experience is obviously very, very, very good and, and something the Magic needed coming off of, of the Rob Hennigan era. Um, you mentioned it a little bit. This draft is going to be really, really important. Um, you know, We've been doing plenty of draft stuff up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well as here on Locked On Magic. Uh, what, what are your impressions on, or what are your thoughts on where the Magic should go with the sixth pick? I think everyone senses that's a kind of foundational piece pick and that they can get a very, very good player at six this year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I think, you know, obviously the Magic needs shooting uh, more than anything. And there are definitely guys in this draft that can do that, uh, like Malik Monk or, you know, this he might not be a sixth pick, but Laurie Markkinen, great shooter. He's, he seems to me to be project more as like a 10th pick or in that range. So that probably wouldn't be our sixth pick. But in, in any event, I, I think the it really depends on who ends up falling because my read on the three, four, five spots it's it seems like it could go anyway. I mean, there's even murmurs that the Lakers might not draft Lonzo Ball with the second pick. So it, for me, it really depends on who ends up falling to, to the sixth pick. Uh, my general philosophy with any draft is just to take the best player available and figure it out later. Uh, worst case scenario, that player will have great trade value because everyone wants you know a, a young hyped prospect, even if he doesn't fit with the team that drafted him. Um, so I just say take the best player available. And, you know, I think Dennis Smith Jr. also would be a great fit. You know, uh, having another point guard would be good. Even if Alfred Payton, he, maybe he takes some crazy leap that no one expected next year. Maybe the new front office sees him as the point guard of the future. Um, even if they do, it couldn't hurt to have another guy, even if it's just to back him up or split minutes with him. Even if Dennis Smith Jr. or whoever doesn't quite pan out. Um, the Magic still need that secondary point guard, a secondary playmaker. Um, so I think, uh, you know, that would be uh, if he's available ex- uh, available at sixth, I don't think you can go wrong with him. But in general, I, just, I say just take the best player available. Yeah, and I think, I think when you're drafting that high, you have to take the best player available. And I think considering the Magic's needs where, I mean, I think we all kind of agree the Magic just need a, a talent upgrade everywhere. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the only guy that I feel really secure about building around right now is is Aaron Gordon. Um, right. Even him, it's more of a well. I think he can get to an, to another level, and and his time is running out to get there too, because they're going to have to pay him pretty soon, uh, and, yeah. and his value is going to be really difficult to judge as well. Uh, so it, it just comes down to just increase the talent on the roster. You can figure out and move around the pieces later. Maybe I mean I, I I've been kind of on this kick lately. If you want to trade one of your one of your like core players, um, you're going to have to probably take a step back. You're not going to be able to get equal value for an Evan Fournier or or Nikola Vucevic or Bismack Biombo or you know whoever. You might have to take on a bad contract in order to to move those guys. And so you know I don't think there's as much urgency to move any of those players that others might think. I think that you you explore their trade markets because uh, because you. The trading is going to have to be the way that this team improves. Um, you know, other than internal improvement, there just isn't a lot of money to spend this summer. It's like I think yeah. somewhere around thirteen to fifteen, thirteen to sixteen million dollars of cap room yeah. is, is what I have. Um, and so there just there isn't a lot of wiggle room to improve the roster. And so Magic certainly have to explore trades of, of key guys, um, no doubt about it. 
uh, and they also have to kind of think about well what is the end game here are we just trying to get out of, uh, get out from under this guy's contract to free up some space for something else or you know are we looking to get equal value back and and I think the reality might be that it's going to be difficult to get equal value back for certain players so you know like you know I think Nikola Vucevic is you know as much as I like him uh, is 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 a prime candidate to get moved because Bismack Biombo's there eating up a lot of cap on the bench and it probably yeah. they probably want to see him start at some point especially if they get the shooting that they want uh, in the lineup um you know I what what are your I mean I, I guess generally like what what are your thoughts on the team heading into the into the offseason you know what direction if you were if you were sitting in Jeff Weltman's chair you're, you're taking the best player available at six what direction would you take this team like what what where would you sit where would you try and make tweaks or, or, or try and improve the roster yeah, right now, and I have uh, an article about this. Um, it should be on Orlando Magic Daily pretty soon. But I, I think Nikola Vucevic in particular is not really a guy the Magic can trade right now. Even if I would, I think you know, for a team that's trying to build a new core and build a new contender, cap flexibility is obviously extremely important. But also, you know, I think. Nikola Vucevic is the kind of player that, I mean, obviously he can contribute on the offensive end in particular, but also if you compare him and Bismack Biombo on, on defense, the gap isn't as big as we might have expected heading into last season. So it's... It's, it's, it's a perception gap. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the trade value I think you would get for Nikola Vucevic, he, he has more value to the Magic than he has to other teams, considering how big men are used in the league nowadays. So I think if the Magic tried to trade him, it, especially considering he has, uh, I believe, three years and um, uh, he gets about 13 he's to 15 got, million I think he's a year. Got, he's got two years left on his deal. He's going to be paid $25 million over the next two years. Okay, yeah. And uh, yeah, so... I think that's going to – I think he'll have more value when his contract maybe a year comes off it and people are able to see him as lower risk and just a way to fix their rebounding problems or uh, maybe some bench scoring issues. Uh, I think he'll have a little bit more value then. So I think the Magic should hold off on that, just sort of take their picks this year, see what they can do with them, make sure they get playing time, first of all, make sure they get a chance to develop and show what they can actually do. And then over the next few years, worry about creating uh, more cap space to bring in free agents that can work with the players they draft uh, this year, next year, and so on. And, you know, if, if they can turn Vucevic or Biombo or Evan Fournier into more draft picks, then that would be even better because, um, you know, I think that's where we're at. Like you said, uh, there's – Besides, I mean, even Aaron Gordon, I wouldn't even necessarily call him like a necessarily a foundational piece that has to be there for the long term. Um, it, the jury is out on everyone to some degree. And I, I think it's going to be important to take these next few years to take these draft picks, see what those prospects can do, and then sort of judge what they're able to bring to the table and then decide who you're going to keep or not. But I think patience is definitely the key for the next season or two. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's the Magic are in a position where they should trade players just to trade them. Um, you know, yeah, I think that I think each player on the roster has some value, um, and it's it's kind of a chess game where I think you've got to be thinking maybe two or three moves ahead. Um, but you're not going to upgrade talent with with any of the players that you have right now, um, and, and especially with their with their salaries as they are. You know, Alfred Payton hasn't shown enough to to make to, to have a bunch of suitors that want his restricted free agency rights. Um, you know, I don't think that that he's necessarily in demand. Um, you know, you mentioned it in your article a little bit. The big the big man trade market is really oversaturated right now. There are a lot of guys that are very similar to Nikola Vucevic um, that are on the market that, that teams want to trade, and that's going to make it even more difficult, I think, to, to move Vucevic in a deal that is good that is good for your team, that, that will accomplish its goals. And so, you know, I think that the Magic, not that they should sit tight. They obviously need to make changes, um, but they need to be very discerning with what they do, and they need to have a clear focus of who they want, of the kind of player they want to get, number one, the kind of risks they're willing to take, number two, and, and number three, what that does for them moving forward. Because I think we all sense the Magic still want to win next year. Um, they're not 
planning on making this a tanking year and, and making this a full rebuild. They want to keep they want to keep trying to win games. They expect to improve on their 29 win season. And even if they get back to the 35 win level, that would be a success to me with the roster as it's currently constructed. Um, yeah. Something that I I think we'll we'll kind of close out on this. Something that I've been kind of banging been banging on a lot is, is the end of the season. Um, that it aesthetically looked very good, and and they probably were better aesthetically, but the results weren't there. How you know if if the Magic are going to be patient and if the Magic are going to keep a lot of these same players, how do you evaluate the post All Star break version of the Magic uh, as far as what that means for the team moving forward? Yeah, well, I think it definitely, um, you know, Alfred Payton was just uh, awesome. And I think he showed that he really can be maybe, you know, he's not everyone's first choice uh, for, you know, your starting point guard, especially in a league where, uh, you know, point guard is such a valued position. And there's so many really, really incredible point guards in the league. Um, But he showed that he can do a lot of different things, even if he's not necessarily the best shooter or defender. um, He still can can bring the team a lot of value. So, I mean, the jury should still be out on him. But, you know, the case definitely isn't closed. Um, I think Nikola Vucevic also showed a little bit more of what he can do on the offensive end. Um, He can definitely be, in my personal opinion, and I don't think he would – be happy with this based on his quotes over the course of the season. But I think he would be great coming off the bench in that kind of role, especially since right now as constructed, the magic don't have a a really steady secondary playmaker besides uh, Alfred Payton. And, you know, I guess we all agree. The magic needed to stagger lineups last year. I mean, I I think, I think, I think we were all just sitting there just begging Frank Vogel, put one starter in the second unit, please. There were some really bad bench lineups that came out last season. Um, And I think Vucevic's passing ability would have really been a big help for those, for those second units. Um, But I, you know, like I said, based on his quotes last season, it doesn't seem like he'd be satisfied with that kind of a role, but either way, I mean, Aaron Gordon, such an incredible cutter. He's so good at finishing at the basket that needs to be capitalized on um, with, with just smart passing and sharing the basketball. He doesn't need the ball in his hand all the time to be able to be productive on offense. He can get to the basket without the ball catch lobs, finish there. He can, he, he can post up smaller players, obviously, also. But um, I think uh, I, I've been looking at these numbers um, over and over this past offseason and looking for different cutters the Magic could sign in this offseason. And, like, statistically, Aaron Gordon was the best cutter in the league. Um, his uh, efficiency is, was just incredible on those plays. So I, I thought they capitalized on that a little bit more towards the end of last season. And even though it didn't result in winning quite yet, I think there are different elements of what the Magic were doing near the end of the season that can contribute to winning basketball. They explored the skills of a lot of their um, you know, core players a little bit more. And uh, it's, I think it's definitely given the new front office stuff to work with. And, you know, they'll have the ability to decide if they want to expand on what they saw this past off season, not past off season, this past season towards the end of this past season and, and between the new prospects that are going to come in and see what they really want to want to build on going forward. And I think it could be a mix of the two. Yeah, I, th- I think I think they definitely hit on something that they want to carry over to the next season. Um, I think not having a training camp really hurt. I mean, they were essentially a completely different team from what was it, February fourteenth to February fifteenth. Um, you know, yeah. whatever whatever it was before the All Star break. Um, so I think having a training camp familiarity with Frank Vogel is going to help. Um, so I, I think that they will improve just on that alone, and I think that you know the have a better understanding of its needs now that settled kind of on a sleeve can and can certainly fit players on there and and you can add more and get a little bit more competent and get defenses a little bit more also kind of tailored to fit the personnel a little bit but i think they had the time to build defense into that team after the all-star break and their defense really suffer, suffered for it so there are definitely still some big questions uh but the, the, i would agree it's definitely the end of the season was definitely a little bit optimistic there were some warning signs but but not anything to, to ring too many about because the, what happened before was was pretty was pretty bad already. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's gonna about do it do it for us, Ricky. Uh, let everyone know where where they can find where they can find you. 
Uh, yeah, my Twitter handle is at Scricca1, S-C-R-I-C-C-A. It's weird Italian last name. Um, and, yeah, I, I write uh, at orlandomagicdaily.com, so you can check out all my stuff there. And, yeah, if you want, follow me on Twitter and, and see what else I'm up to. Yeah, and be sure to check out his article. I'll post it on Locked on Magic Facebook page as well as on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Uh, the art of his article, Orlando Magic fans m- among most loyal in the NBA statistically. Uh, let's read something like that. I, I, I closed my window on that. Uh, <laughs> but but check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com uh, for that article. Really interesting stuff. Some hard, some some at least some hard numbers, some some limited numbers, but some hard numbers on Orlando Magic fandom and, and where it stands today. I want to thank Ricky for joining us for this conversation. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily as well as check us out on Facebook at OrlandoMagicDaily. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We're continuing our draft pre- profile series every day leading up to the NBA draft. So get your draft fix. Learn who these prospects are uh, from, our, our, from our writers over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, as we get ready for the NBA draft in two weeks. Two weeks from today. We're recording us on June 7th, but this will be published on June 8th. So two weeks from today is the NBA draft. It's hard to believe. It's going to come very, very, very quickly. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. And download the podcast on iTunes, Audioboom, TuneIn, and Stitcher, all the fun places you download podcasts, your podcast-enabled listening device. Be sure to give us a five-star rating. It does help us spread the word about how awesome Locked On Magic and the Orlando Magic Daily podcast is. That's going to do it for us today. For Ricky, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich of Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily. I will see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.